0: Me a go no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to
1: the Almost Sideways podcast. It is great that you are joining us. This is episode sixty four. We are recording this on February 16th, 2020 at, oh, it is about 3.20 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm your host, Terry Pleknit. As always, joining me are Todd and Zach. Once again, we are getting back to our normal podcast programming here. We took, what, maybe like a month and a half off of this to... Review the year, review the decade, uh, get ready for the Oscars. Now uh, now we're getting back to, to just looking at what's out now and talking about some of our regular randomness that always pops up. So, uh, so yeah, that's what we have planned for you guys today. Uh, Zach, what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking something called Chariot Gypsy. And it has a really fascinating logo on it. It looks like a woman in a wheelbarrow, but she's, like, in the wheelbarrow, like, you know, like where the dirt's supposed to be. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. It is uh, the result of the fabulous people at Trader Joe's and their wonderful recommendations for wine under $5. Two thumbs up. All those things
1: make it sound more and more attractive. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Todd, what do you got? I am drinking the Hunter Rye Canadian Whiskey. So, it's 90 proof, so it's got a bit of a bite. And like all rye whiskeys, it, it definitely uh, shouldn't be mixed with anything. It's just So, I'm just drinking it straight.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I usually try and find something new to drink on every podcast, uh, but I have a repeat, but it's a good repeat. I've got, from Pelican Brewery, the Brutabides, the White Russian-inspired Milk Stout, Um, it's just good, and so, when I just want a good beer, I go and get this stuff, and so it was what was in the fridge. I didn't have a chance to stop for something new, so.
2: That boo, that's lame.
1: Hey, at least it's like the movie-themed one,
2: and yeah, I'm drinking a beverage here, man. I was hoping you were getting some, you had gotten some, like, maybe Valentine's Day, like, loving beer, because you and the theme beers it's a it's a connection you know it's like bong jun ho and the oscars it's like a perfect uh, melding
0: what was the, what was the on that can of beer that we were drinking last weekend terry oh
2: it was uh it was uh
1: benjamin franklin topless
0: oh yeah that's right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it <That> doesn't sound <laughs> pleasant in, in, in a like and he was like in a shrub <laughs> in some shrubbery Anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we get into talking about movies, uh, we that's been kind of a kind of a weird week for uh, Zach and I, as it was announced that our our alma mater, Concordia University in Portland, is going to be closing in April uh, at the end of this current term. Uh, Zach, we we lived there for a number of years. That's where. I uh, you know we got to know each other and each other's love of movies and that we both were obsessed with Apollo thirteen, um, yeah.
2: R. I. P. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. But I mean, it's 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 so strange to think that your college is closing. I mean, what you know, uh, it, it, of all the improbable things in the world, you know, a Korean film winning best picture, you know, Andy Reid winning a Super Bowl, and now a college closing. My college closing, our college closing. It's just, uh, it it's quite a bit surreal. It's where, as you said, you know, we had some amazing experiences there. Todd was a part of many of those experiences. He's not an alum of Concordia, but we did have some amazing experiences there, like uh, seeing Inla- Inland Empire and um, uh, the Colin Farrell movie um, in Bruges. In Bruges, and that's he did right. not
1: see Inland Empire with us, dude. R-
2: oh, really? That was Shidam. No. Oh. Okay, well, shout out to she What you should have been there, man. It was a pretty awesome experience. <laughs> I mean, in honor of Laura Dern, you know, winning an Oscar, like that was her best role. Well, that's yeah, that's getting into our next segment. But Todd, Todd was
1: our, Todd was there the the day that we all fell asleep watching Stripes though. That's yeah, cause true. Yeah, cuz
0: we, we cuz we couldn't watch The Painted Veil. Or, so or dirty work. We rented The Greta Garbo Painted Veil and we didn't and then yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's that's maybe one of the top five regrets of my life, Terry. That I insisted we watch Stripes over Dirty Work, and uh, that was, that was a bad call. It was a bad call. Yeah, I, I fully admit that. But yeah, it, it it's really
1: strange. Uh, and it was it was super abrupt. Nobody knew it was happening, and I, I was actually on campus this weekend, uh, for Lest, which which you guys all all remember happening, and it was uh, yeah, it was just bizarre. It was weird. And, uh, yeah, to think that it's, it's going to be, it's going to be closing. It, it doesn't, it feels like this last week has been like a dream and I'm going to wake up from it someday and it'll be like, oh yeah, none of it
0: actually happened, but what are they going to do with the campus?
2: No clue. No clue. You know, if there's any listener out there who has an extra $50 million, I'm sure they could use your money. (laughs) Mike Bloomberg, I'm looking at you, man.
1: There we go. There we go. Now we're talking.
2: Uh, but yeah, it's,
1: it's a sad day. It's a surreal day. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's safe to say if it wasn't for Concordia Portland, this podcast wouldn't exist because I mean, Zach and I would have never met. Um,
2: and yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's like a philosophical question. Like if, if Concordia never existed, would maybe the butterfly effect you know i mean would we have somehow come together at some at some point and the answer is no
1: no no probably
2: not no no, no, not a chance
1: (laughs) Uh, yep yep yeah 115 year history and uh it's all it's all over all right it's enough talking about that let's talk about something uh exciting and fun and amazing and that was last week's oscars and, um, before we get into, to, you know, a- analyzing what, kind of what we thought of it, this was a fun Oscars, particularly because Todd got to come down and visit for the weekend of the Oscars, and, and we, had, we had quite the time, didn't we, Todd?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was an eventful uh, couple of days.
1: It, it so it all started on uh, on Saturday morning when we decided that we were going to a uh, road trip to Seaside for uh, for lunch. It's about an hour fifteen minute drive, but not just because it's Seaside. That had nothing to do with it. It was because in Seaside there is a big Kahuna Burger. Yeah,
0: we and we talked about on the <clears throat> podcast that one episode, but. Like, who who are these people that you're always with that wouldn't go with you at a Big Kahuna Burger? Like, well, I was there, so we were going to go.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) We're going to get that Hawaiian burger. That
1: Hawaiian, and it was good, too. Double patty with bacon and pineapple and teriyaki sauce. And I think there was, like, some Thousand Island dressing on there, too. Uh, It was good. But the the highlight, the highlight of that trip to the restaurant was the Bloody Mary Todd had. Todd, uh, (laughs) describe (laughs) this Bloody Mary.
0: Well, I never had a Bloody Mary with a beef stick in it, but there was that, and there were like two giant prawns on it. Like, I mean, it was an expensive Bloody Mary, but it was a good Bloody Mary. <laughs> it it it
1: was it was their their equivalent to a five dollar milkshake.
0: Well, the problem is that we didn't get a Sprite to wash this down. No, like, that was we the didn't. one regret that we had Big Kona Burger. We're just
1: gonna have to do it again next time.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And, uh, and then and then we uh, we wrapped up our, our trip by stopping uh, our uh, my favorite tap room in seaside to get a couple growlers full of, uh, of beer for for the podcast watching and uh, we got possibly the best named beer we've seen in a long time and it 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 really was an apt description Todd what did we get
0: it's a head full of dynamite
1: head full of dynamite pale IPA it was yeah it it was quite explosive um and then we got a a growler of a rice stout uh that was pretty good too anyways all that to be said and then and then my friend josh came over with topless ben franklin six-pack so we we had we had quite the uh quite the eclectic uh offering of beverages so let's talk about the oscars then Or, or zach did you have anything you wanted to share about uh your oscar weekend
2: Oh, I just wanted to talk about how I got up in the morning and uh, did nothing, but I will say that, you know, it was interesting that the Oscars were back to back with the Super Bowl, because what happened in each case was that my mother-in-law was at the house for both of them, and when she was there, things were not going too well, okay? It was not looking great for either the Super Bowl or the Oscars, and... uh <coughs> amazingly, when she left is when Patrick Mahomes threw the 45-yard completion of Tyreek Hill, and when Bong Joon-ho won Best Director. So, I take that to mean that she needs to stay for the first half of things and then, and then get out. Did she come
0: back when Stephen A. Smith decided to do the Oscar post-game show?
2: Oh, we need to talk about that. I <laughs> actually saw that, too. That was, that was something else.
0: That, that was...
1: That, that that was ABC wishing they hadn't fired Adnan Verk. That's what that was.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. I In the my Best fa- Director category, Quentin Tarantino should have won. It's just that simple.
2: My, yeah, my favorite part of that was when Stephen interviewed someone, some actor from The Irishman. I don't even know who it was. I'd never heard of him. And Stephen asked him, so besides The Irishman, what was your favorite of the nominees this year? And he said he hadn't seen any.
0: <laughs> Great television. Riveting television. Oh man.
1: <laughs> uh alright, well uh well let's uh let's actually talk about the actual Oscars now. So uh takeaways, surprises, disappointments. I think we were all pleasantly surprised and, and came away happy with, with the parasite win. But uh but Zach, how about you? Takeaways. Oh
2: my god. Well, of course, that, that was fantastic and spectacular. I was the only one on this podcast, by the way, who predicted Bong Joon Ho would win. So, you know, point for me. Don't no, you, don't you listen. Didn't. And, yes, I did. I predicted that on the I, podcast I'm look, last
1: week. Uh, Maybe on the podcast, but uh, I'm looking on the our, podcast. Uh, I'm looking at our Oscar I, challenge, and you. There you was one guy
0: that. who predicted <laughs> yes. Bong Joon Ho to win, and it was his only uh, correct pick of the entire night. <laughs> it was. It was.
1: He <laughs> went one for twenty-four, and his one his one correct answer was Bong Joon Ho. So shout out I to also, John White.
2: I also predicted that Ford v Ferrari would win two Oscars, and it did. And Terry predicted that uh, The Irishman would go 0 for eleven. So uh, and be I think the only Best well.
1: Picture nominee to come away empty handed. O for ten.
2: Yeah. I, I I think we looked pretty good. I can't remember Todd's uh, prediction, but I don't think it came true. I
0: said that uh, Joker is going to win makeup, which that, didn't happen. Yeah, that was
1: a stupid. That was a stupid one.
2: That bombshells was that stupid.
1: bombshells coming it was like six to time. one yeah well yeah that that was the other interesting part about having todd over for the oscars is he was giving me like minute by minute updates on the odds the vegas odds <laughs> of the oscars it was it was pretty fascinating to see what well, they that- were
2: saying that was the best part of my mother-in-law being over, which was that, like, I predicted every category and looked like a frickin' genius. Like, when I said, Lord Dern's gonna win, she was like, really? Oh my god, you're right! It was, like, every single category, you know? Adapted everything Screenplay, was like super Jojo Chalk. Rabbit... I know, I know. I didn't, I didn't tell her that part. It was like, it was like, yeah, your experience when you were in Hawaii, Terry. When uh, ev- you, everyone thought you were a genius. I was just gonna were say that. The most obvious ones. That
1: was one of the most interesting Oscar viewings ever. Yeah, I was at a home stay in Hawaii on a choir tour in college, and we were Concordia, watching the Oscars. RP. Yeah, with with Concordia, and uh, we were watching the Oscars, and I'm like, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's gonna win for Capote. What? How did you know? <laughs> because he won everything.
2: Walking <laughs> Phoenix is going to win? Really? Over Leo? <clears throat> uh
1: yeah. So who won the Oscar challenge? All right, so uh I have the I have the results here I can go over them. So, uh in third place is the one and only Kyle Heck who somehow figured out a way to beat all three of us once again. He does it every freaking year.
2: Usually he finishes first.
1: Usually he finishes first. Uh, tied for second, let's see here. He had, I think it was 18 right. He had 18 right. Uh, with 19 right, tied for second was Brett Doze, Larry Chilson, uh, Peter Booker, and Trish Mistrick. And then, Brett Doze
2: is, I know Brett Doze. He's one of my friends out here. Okay, well he finished he's, he's, second. He's one of the two listeners to the podcast. There we Shout go. Shout out to Brett.
1: And then uh, with 20 out of 24 in first place is uh, Cody O'Toole, uh, who's a YouTube guy. Shout out to Cody. Paul Clifford and our very own Adam Daly. That's right. Adam beat
0: all of us. I think I was the only one that got all the short categories right. I, and it was probably just because I watched them.
1: He's, he's just taking his... Todd's taking his minor victories as best he can. Adam, All Adam missed was director... Uh, sound Editing, which went to Ford v. Ferrari, he said 1917. Uh, he went. He did what I did and went with Klaus for Animated, which was a fairly decent bet. It was about even odds. And then Short Live Action, he went with Brotherhood instead of The Neighbor's Window. But uh, I'm
0: so glad that Klaus didn't win. That would have been a terrible pick to look back <laughs> on in future years, being like, how did this stupid Christmas movie win Best Animated Feature over one of the best movies of the of- 2019 that uh, you know yeah <laughs>
1: what was a uh, what what was best speech of the night
0: i don't know probably bong's director speech
1: i was gonna say bong's uh international film speech where where he finished it up by saying i'm going to drink till next morning because <laughs> yeah. he thought it was his last time getting on stage and then he kept on getting back up
0: well i <laughs> i liked how in his director speech out he was like you know he's like I, I i appreciate quentin because even when i wasn't popular he still always put my movies on his list <laughs> and, and which and then he obviously got a impromptu standing ovation for scorsese which, which i mean i don't know that that was just a great moment
2: i thought the best speech went to mikey lee the the korean lady who was on stage the korean millionaire at the end when she talked about how she loves bong's hair <laughs> his crazy hair
1: his crazy hair uh, what what was the moment of the night? But uh, outside of outside of parasite related moments, what was the moment of the night? Because parasite oh. like owned every moment. It's gotta oh, be
2: Eminem, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What? M&M for sure. Oh, yeah. M. M&M. Yeah. And and Adina Menzel's shocked reaction, which I think there was more shock on her face than there was shock when Adam Sandler asked for her back in Uncut Gems. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was. I mean, it was one of those that, in the moment, I was like, "Why? What? Eminem's gonna perform? Okay, Eminem's gonna perform." And then you find out the backstory that he didn't get a chance to perform it. Well, he didn't want to perform it the year that he actually won. He, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. Up. He didn't show up because he didn't think he was gonna win, and so really, he, he I got his, I've not
2: heard this. Really, I didn't yeah. know that.
0: Yep, well,
2: and, that, and so doesn't really help. Well, but and okay. then
0: so he had like a uh, like a, a, a surprise album he put out this last year so i guess that was another big surprise that he nobody knew he was going to be there performing 18 years after his movie came out but it was awesome and it got a standing ovation too which i mean all all those people looked like they weren't having a good time like marty i think was asleep and uh then they all gave him a standing ovation the the guy from in the heights he was digging it though
1: oh yeah he was he knew every word too but um then yeah i you got to think it was something where they were just like, you know what, you know what we should do? We should have a montage of best original song winners this year, and we should get someone to perform after it. Oh, let's see if Eminem's available. He never got to perform before, and you you can just see how the thinking led to that moment, and and yeah, it was pretty cool. And it's
0: like pretty much the best original song winner of the millennium, at least. So
2: so so wait, you guys are not being ironic when you say that? Oh, I love the Eminem
1: Eminem song. Really. Singing.
2: I was being totally sarcastic. I thought that was the most indulgent, unnecessary mo- seven minutes of the night, and I thought it was doubly offensive because they cut out the Parasite speech uh, winning Best Picture because they were running over because they gave seven freaking minutes to Eminem. Well, that is well, th- true. They,
0: there was just way too many music things anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't just bad. I, I don't like the original songs being performed either, but I mean...
1: See, like, I, I like the like original songs being performed songs
0: that, that were sung.
1: You, yeah, but you didn't need like the the guy getting up and freestyle rapping about the
0: about the the ceremony <laughs> so far. The recap. Yeah. Oh, to, to catch you up on the last hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, bro. that
1: that was that was kind of pointless. Uh, the, the no host thing is good, but they tried to they tried to fill it with too much other stuff this year. Um, I, I don't I don't mind like a little tribute thing like that. Um, I love the opening number with Janelle Monae. I thought that was really cool and especially how it kind of honored all the movies that didn't get honored. Like, like there was, like, she was the, the, the queen from Midsummer, And then you had people in the back dressed like Queen and Slim. And, oh, who she are some of the Mr. other ones? She was Mr. Rogers. Oh, she was, yeah, she was Mr. Rogers in there too. But there were, yeah, you know, there was representation from a lot of films that didn't, uh, didn't get in. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to say the, uh, the the best uh, speech speeches of the Oscars didn't happen at the Oscars. They happened the day before at the Independent Spirit Awards, when yes. Adam Sandler and uh, the Safety Brothers won. Uh, those were the best speeches of the weekend, and they uh, because they were quote unquote
0: snubbed by the Academy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bobby Boucher. Mr. Bobby Boucher. <laughs> So, can we also talk about for a minute that this was the lowest-rated Oscars of all time? It only had like 20 million viewers, which was significantly lower than even last year, and it seems like, you know, they're getting desperate. This is why they're bringing in Billie Eilish and, uh, you know, floating the idea of a most po- best popular picture category. So what I want to hear, I know this is a little impromptu, but on the spot, what is one thing the Oscars can do to not sabotage the format of it, but maybe bring in more viewers next year? Because clearly, what's going on right now is just not working. Uh, yeah. They could get
0: a host. Someone that what? they could actually market that is going to be there, that people like. And I mean, no host means no... You, you can't. What are you going to do to have commercials for the Oscars?
2: Yeah, but the but the host adds minutes to it. Then we're then we're talking like you know the the two thousand one Oscars when it's like four and a half hours long.
0: Well, okay, but this is a similar thing to like the changes they're making in Major League Baseball. It's like, who are you trying to please here? Are, are you trying to get it to be the most popular thing on TV? Because it's never going to be. Like you're you're pissing off the people that actually like watching it by changing, by changing it to make it more, kind of exciting or whatever, or make it go shorter. It's like. I mean, I don't care how long it lasts. Like, I I, I love it. I look forward to it the the entire year. But by putting down all these stupid music numbers, it kind of pisses me off. But, I mean, you get Billie Eilish on there, and you're going to maybe get a few more viewers. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: but Billie Eilish didn't work, though. I mean, it's not like she drew in anybody because everyone was like, screw this after an hour because it was boring. I think they got to stop trying to
1: appeal to the masses and just know that this isn't something that the masses necessarily care about anymore. I mean, it the all they're doing, like you said, all they're doing is they're pissing off the people that are going to watch no matter what and trying to draw in a crowd that they're never going to get. So, that's what
0: I'm saying, it's the same as Major League Baseball. It's it's like what do you, what do you like the the rules that you can you can only you, you have to pitch to three batters or whatever now if you come in in relief. It's like that that is that completely screws up the game and it may make it go faster, but it's not going to if you're not going to watch baseball, you're not going to watch baseball. It's not that's not going to make you watch it. Yeah.
1: I, I say I say know who you are, know what know who your audience is and stop trying to be something you're not. I mean, you're you're a the oscars and just award shows in general have become much more niche and much more uh, much more targeted instead of have this mass appeal especially considering the types of movies that are being honored um, i mean that that's why they were toying with the whole best popular film thing a couple years ago they were trying to to get the get a fan uh, like a, a fan's choice a people's choice uh, oscar in there Um, but just know who you are and stand for what you are and people are going to start to pay more attention to it because you actually know what you are Um, and if they don't, you have a loyal, loyal base that's going to be watching this no matter what and continue to come back and they will appreciate it if you cater more to, to them than try to cater to the people who just go and see popcorn movies
2: Okay, okay, well, you know what, we're not the right demographic because we're going to watch the Oscars no matter what they do. But I have one idea that could maybe draw on people, and I don't think it would undermine the tradition of the Oscars, okay? We got nine Best Picture nominees. That's BS. We knew that Ford v. Ferrari was never going to win Best Picture. So why don't we do some format like Miss America or Survivor and have like a tribal council every 20 minutes and vote off one of those Best Picture nominees. You know, Ford v. Ferrari, you got voted off. And then they run the montage for Ford v. Ferrari. Jojo Rabbit, you got voted off. Joker, you got voted off. And then it comes down to the final three. Because let's be honest, it was only between three films this year. It was gonna be *Parasite*. It was gonna be *1917*. Or it was gonna be *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*. And then they read the winner from those three. Bam. Case case closed. You draw people in. It's exciting. It's fun. Who says no?
0: That's not *Georgia Rabbit* was still had a decent chance of winning. You you don't want to admit that, but okay. Day. Well,
2: maybe maybe you do five nominees. I don't know. The five I actually council. don't mind
1: that. And That's then me. and then once they people once they know listen. and and I think what. The other thing you can do is you can kind of uh, kind of gear the show towards towards that. And like there's a couple texts and it's like, okay, well, Ford v. Ferrari didn't win this. Therefore, you're eliminated. I mean, or, el- or something
2: I- like that. Apparently what happened was people tuned in at the beginning of the show, but they turn it off at about the hour mark because they didn't want to wait until the best picture. So this way it builds up tension and suspense while still having tension and suspense at the end
0: but what if your favorite movie is the one that got not voted off first then you're gonna stop watching anyway
2: that's true but i mean i don't know people don't stop watching the, american the, idol because their favorite gets voted out yeah and uh, then it becomes controversial fell, it? how could they vote ford v ferrari out i just loved christian dale in that movie he was so quirky or what if like the first one you vote out is like the irishman you know oh yeah i like it
1: sorry irishman but you're not winning anything tonight you're out
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then because then then you have it and then you make
1: everybody representing
0: the irishman leave the building (laughs) yeah and then you can have like the the people yeah (laughs) exactly we know you're not winning anything anyway you're
1: just gonna sleep during eminem anyways just 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 go you know it'll be fine
2: they can be escorted off by the dancers from janelle Monet's opening number but from the film that they're representing.
1: While, while we while we have a montage uh, to uh, to uh, you had a bad day. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> the real American Idol style. Well, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely things the Oscars can look at to do. I actually I actually kind of like that idea. That'd be kind of fun, uh, just to change it up a little bit. But um, I thought maybe this...
0: try it first at the Critics Choice Awards or something. Yeah, there you go. Like experimental. Uh, we'll so so you're
1: saying the critics choice is like the xfl of uh yes. oscars absolutely <laughs> the place where they try <laughs> things out and see if they work
0: <laughs> yeah try it on the out on the what is it the cw or whatever yeah it's so, so th- this is like
1: this, this is like the equivalent of of being able to go for three from the 10 after you score a touchdown yeah. yes yeah absolutely all right <laughs> well uh yeah there's definitely some things they can do but i think overall i, the, I mean we quote it often. But uh, it was a pretty successful broadcast.
2: Yeah, before it you know collapses and you know becomes like the Apollo 13 mission and has to you know be threatened with uh, mass casualties and loss I, of life.
1: I, but, I mean, the thing is, Parasite won. Like, they, they picked the right movie to win. They picked the right, they picked the right it, movie, but... They... I've
0: heard it compared to, like, uh, when Fleabag swept all the all the TV awards. It's like, it's a it's a movie that everyone just really genuinely loved. It wasn't, like, the, the, the choice that everyone thought was going to win or, like, the traditional choice. It was the one that people are just obsessed with it.
2: Okay, so awesome. I think... Think back to the Oscars when Bill Murray was nominated for Lost in Translation. How many more million viewers would have tuned in this year if Adam Sandler had been nominated? I mean, oh, look, yeah. then he would have had a real shot at winning. So I think you don't want to do the gimmick, fine. But at least nominate good people. Come on, man. Jonathan Price. come on. Give me a break. Antonio Bendera, No one's going to tune in for that shit. They want the Sandman. They want Old Bobby Spain. Boucher. Now you know. Are, are are
1: you uh, are you campaigning for expanding the actor lineups to ten?
0: Anywhere from five to ten. Anywhere right? from five to ten. <laughs> On a preferential ballot.
2: Sure. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Well, uh, I, I think we we've uh, I think we've covered the Oscars uh, well enough. I, I I had fun with it, but yeah, I think it could definitely it yeah it has it has some potential to improve still um as it tries to figure out what it is and who it's trying to uh, appeal to but uh yeah congratulations to parasite i mean it was my number one of the year it was in my top 10 of the decade so i was happy to see it it's our what was it our number three of the decade overall so i mean it it's a it was a well-loved movie by the almost sideways crew and honestly well-loved movie by the entire film industry that's why there was so much love uh for it when it won so uh so congratulations to that, and uh, and yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh, move on from the Oscars and stop talking about last
2: year. I love this movie so much.
1: I did not really like this
2: film at all. This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it.
1: Movie reviews and start so talking about this year as
2: we review our first twenty twenty
1: movie on our on our podcast here. And what we're going to be reviewing. Actually stars one of those Oscar nominees from this last year. And that is Margot Robbie in the new uh, DC was it, DCEU, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, movie Birds of Prey in the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn.
0: You know what a Harley Quinn is? A Quinn's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. No one gives two shits who we are beyond that. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out, I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation.
2: Spectacular news! Miss Quinn, Wants me? Who are you guys? <laughs>
1: Just like the sleepover, We should order pizza. Big cosmos. Harley, Focus.
2: Okay. I'm the one they should be scared of. <gasps> Not you. Not Mr. J. Because I'm Harley freaking quick. <laughs> Who's having a good time? Get ready, lady.
1: Never call a woman chick. broad, lady, warning, on occasion, bitch. Bitch. What are you what about, about for me? So, uh, since we're talking comic books, there's none other that can start this conversation than Zach. Oh, so,
2: really? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I need some more alcohol.
1: All right. Uh, so, Zach, tell us a, tell us a little bit about Birds of Prey.
2: All right, well, uh, the technical title is Birds of Prey in the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Did you see the story today that they're actually changing the title of this movie for some They did. They changed
1: it, like, last week. Like, after it was out for a week, they changed it to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey.
2: Yeah, because the movie has not really made a lot of money. So how about the Oscars changes its name to the Oscars and the Fabulous Emancipation of one Adam Sandler or something like that? I mean, that maybe would draw in more people. I don't know. That was a bad joke. Okay. Harley Quinn. Oh, man. Okay. I got to go on a little rant here. Man, this movie was like a cold shower in the face and it's like Oscar season is over. You know, I liked going to movies and it was like a good movie, you know? Like seeing Parasite, that was frickin' awesome. Seeing Uncut Gems, that was great. Okay, every once in a while there's a Ford, Ford v Ferrari, but for the most part, you know, there were some good movies this past month. I, y'all even put the Irishman on this list, you know, whatever. It was fun to watch, it was a good movie this movie was kind of crap and it's like a reminder that like we're in february this there are no good movies that are going to come out until probably june okay until that freaking uh christopher uh uh what's his name uh Tenet, you know um uh, the john yes, david washington christopher nolan christopher, christopher, christopher Tennant. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah okay so Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, Fantabulous Emancipation. Yes, yeah, so this is this is sort of a sequel to Suicide Squad, although in tone and in atmosphere, it's nothing like Suicide Squad. I think it takes itself much less seriously, um, and actually, it's probably a better movie than Suicide Squad. It's a spinoff of Harley Quinn's life. When we when we are first introduced to her, she is broken up with Joker, and uh, she's on the streets, and um, she's up to no good. And this movie has a... Okay, this this is a movie that didn't really have much of a story. Let's be honest. So the writers were really desperate. They kind of threw in some shit here and there, like an animated sequence, like Harley's uh, very Deadpool-inspired direct address to the camera. Uh, the fractured chronology, which I think just makes the movie more confusing. I think it, she maybe took, they took a page out of the Greta Gerwig Little Women route. Um, and then worst of all, this, this movie has such a lame story. I mean, the story involves some sort of MacGuffin that I'm not even really sure what it was, it was like a diamond or something like that, and it's and it's captured, and guess who has, who? guess who's in possession of the diamond? I mean, it is, it is the most lame device that you see in these superhero movies. It's a child, and so the innocent child has to come under the protection of Harley Quinn, and it's like Leon the Professional, or it's like Captain Marvel, or it's like any of these other crappy movies where a kid inadvertently has the, has the MacGuffin, and Harley Quinn Has to you know help the kid and train her and to be an assassin and then and then you get all these side characters with no backstory whatsoever. The Rosie Perez character, I mean it's great to see Rosie Perez back in movies. I I was thinking you know, while I was watching Rosie Perez, I was thinking like, man, the early 90s Rosie Perez was so phenomenal. This is this is such a step down for her. I miss Rosie Perez. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I don't know what she's doing in this movie. Her her backstory is like a scene out of Sicario, okay? It makes no sense. And at the very end, and the worst thing. The worst thing about this movie. This is an R-rated movie, okay? Did you for a second think this movie was R-rated while you were watching it? Like, there's no blood in this movie. There's a few F-words. Like, come on. If you're going to be R-rated, go full throttle, man. We need to see some, some like, Logan and Mad Max Fury Road type shit, you know? We need to actually see blood. We need to see splatter. We need to see heads exploding. We need to see more crap than just an occasional F-word and some very, very sanitized violence. So, this movie was a total disappointment appointment it gets two stars because margot robbie's enthusiastic
0: did you miss the part where a guy's body gets taken apart by a grenade
2: uh, i did fall asleep during part of this movie i i will say <laughs> it probably <laughs> was that part
0: the child is not so innocent either she is a pickpocket so you know <laughs>
1: which is how she ends up with the diamond right <laughs> yeah yeah
2: now, see i missed all that part I, I fell asleep in like the first 30 minutes so
1: all right well todd what do
2: you think
0: i don't know i i thought it was good i i mean I, it it, it re- doesn't resemble suicide squad at all which is a good thing because that was an awful movie uh, i think it's way more lively and I, I i think margot robbie is kind of awesome she's te- definitely having a lot of fun in this uh, same with mary elizabeth winstead like she's one of my movie wives and like rosie perez is like this maria laguerta badass kind of character and the the other one like she was in uh, the lot, i don't know she hasn't been in a good movie or anything necessarily, but the last the good thing she did was like Friday Night Lights TV show, she's she was—I thought she was good in this. She kind of like cackles and sings her way through the movie, and and I, honestly, I'm like the least uh, of the, like I I like I think Hugh McGregor is probably one of the worst actors in Hollywood, but he this is absolutely his best performance ever. Like he is uh, so ridiculous and villainous. He's like, who's having a good time? I know you are. Uh, like I I wish he had tapped into that kind of like weird. Like shit that he never had done before, like I I never seen him play a character like that, and it actually worked, and I I I kept wanting to not like the movie, but it was it was just sort of irresistible. Like the fight scenes were kind of like Jackie Chan, fight scenes or something like that, and there's also a really awesome sandwich in the movie that plays a decent role. Like I,
1: I that sandwich <laughs> did look good,
0: it, it it did, and and the the slow motion like, devastation of it hitting the ground like ah. Uh but I I, mean, I, I, I I like that it didn't try to connect it with all the other DC movies necessarily because all of them' kind of suck ass and but uh, Harley Quinn's an interesting character and I, I I'll watch her again I'll watch any of the birds again I thought I, I thought it was kind of cool and I, I I don't know I give it three stars and I I, I don't really know why I, I I shouldn't have liked the movie but I did <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, so Zach's going two. Todd's going three. I'm going two and a half. I'm right in between you guys. What a, what a shocker. Yeah, I know. It, it it's funny how this always works out. Um, I I see some of what Todd's saying. I mean, it it is a fun, entertaining movie. It had me it had me going, but at the same time, it's like, like what Zach was saying. It's it's nothing new. I mean, it doesn't do anything to to uh, that you haven't seen before. Uh, yeah, Margot Robbie's great. And she's always great, and she's already showed us that she's amazing in this role. But, um, but yeah, it was like it, it didn't really, I don't know, it didn't. It, it was just kind of
0: eh, yeah, that was that was fine, that was all right. But and, isn't it refreshing though that they didn't they didn't need to bring in Jared Leto or anything? Like they were like like the Mr. J was just sort of like lurking over the whole movie, but they never had to bring him in as like a. To, to make it more popular or whatever they're just like this is a story about this group of people and you know you're gonna like it or you're not gonna like it yeah but
1: i mean i don't think it necessarily i i it, it was interesting i don't necessarily think it benefited it just was um <clears throat> i i don't know i i see the reviews that come out for this i mean the well what's the what's the rotten Tomatoes score on this movie it's ridiculous right now isn't it
0: well, it's like 80 80 percent or something oh, okay
1: like which I mean, when you're looking at it, only one of us is giving it thumbs up. It's it's kind of interesting how, how high that score is. Um, and it almost feels kind of like a kind of like what happened with like Wonder Woman. Where Wonder Woman was a decent movie. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know, great in any sense. It wasn't this monumental thing, but it got this this notoriety and it got this extra heaped on praise because it was the female superhero movie directed by a female director. And I feel like this might be benefiting from that a little bit as well. You know, it's the female team up movie with uh with the female director and the female screenwriter. And if we don't, you know, make it look like it's the greatest superhero movie of all time, then people aren't going to want to see that anymore. And I feel like there's a little bit of that here. Uh, in how people are reviewing it, and it's and it's fine. It's not like a disaster, but uh, but it's it's just fine. It's not it's not great. There's a hyena in a bathtub. There is it's <laughs> there a is a hyena. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but yeah, Margot Robbie's good. Like Rose, Rosie Perez, it was great to see her. Um, I'm a Mary Elizabeth Winstead fan as well, and but she kind of seemed out of place in the whole thing. I don't know.
0: It it, it... She, she was basically Batman, right? Like she she like ends up like going o- overseas to like learn how to be a fighter or whatever. Like I mean she, she's totally Batman after her whole family is slaughtered.
1: Either either Batman or like, you know, one of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Like th- there oh, we go. This really. is this is a less interesting version of Kill Bill. That's really what this is.
0: <clears throat> Similar to <Well>, Killer soundtrack. <laughs>
1: Yet, yet at, at times, somewhat <clears throat> distracting. I thought it was a killer soundtrack. But it was like, oh, here comes the uh, here comes the fight scene with the with the awesome song playing behind it. It, it just was.
2: I didn't like. I thought the soundtrack was annoying. I hated the, mo- the the covers of all the songs. I thought that that's a trope that has been used in so many superhero movies lately. I thought the writing was really lazy in this movie. None of the characters were established very well. You you look at that. You know, I also think that there's a little bit of Kill Bill in the climactic battle scene at the end, which to me is a really lame scene. It's not very well choreographed. It's not really fun to watch. And then the final confrontation between Harley Quinn and Ewan McGregor is like a total cop out by the screenwriters. Just really lazy writing all throughout the movie. And uh, I don't know, Terry, I, I feel like you have a very exasperated reaction to this movie. I think it's because it's just, it's February. It's like oh, we had all these Oscar movies, now it's February. Oh, I, f- I forgot. It's February. It's literally a cold shower in the face. That is what this movie is.
1: But, I mean, and the interesting thing is... A cold shower would have woken you up, though, Zach.
2: True. This movie couldn't even do that.
1: The interesting thing is this. this might be, like, the best reviewed movie of the year so far. When... Like I, I've seen, I've seen two movies of twenty twenty so far, and it is by far the inferior movie to the other movie I saw, which was The Gentleman. I mean, The Gentleman is an awesome movie, and it it was a mid January release. I mean, there are good movies out there, and you just it's just interesting that this is one that's getting a lot of notoriety and a lot of play, and it's not that good. It's fine, but it's not. I disagree. As great as, I disagree. I disagree. This is how I win. (laughs) I still say that would have been, like, the best moment, is if Joaquin Phoenix is going up to accept his Oscar, and Adam Sandler beats him there. I disagree. This is how I win, and he takes the Oscar and walks off stage. That would have been amazing.
0: So do you think, do you guys still, I mean, what do you think is the best DC movie, then? Because, like, they they all kind of suck. This one, I think, is the best one, because it's the only one I give a thumbs up to. But what, what do you guys think? Um... I mean you're talking Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, all of them are complete trash. And Wonder I mean, Woman. Got, it's gotta Wonder be Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman Woman's okay. It's like a two and a half. I star I'd movie. say
1: Wonder Woman or Man of Steel.
0: Man of Steel is garbage.
1: I yeah. But that's why yeah. But if we're but we're talking about the the uh the best of the worst here. It's the best worst film we have. What was it? The best bad, the best bad idea, the best bad film we have. I'm trying to quote Argo here. Um,
0: oh, that's. Oh, yeah, I was. I was like, I, I, this sounds familiar. <laughs> the, <laughs> this, this is the best. This is the, this best, this is the best, best, best bad idea we have. We have. So, yeah. No, no, Brian Cranston. That's yeah.
2: Right. yeah. I say the best. The best DC movie was Steel with uh, Shack. That uh, the '90s version. You mean Steel? Steel. Yeah, yeah, the one where. Shazam. No, not. Not Shazam. The one with Shaq. The one you know with what I'm Shaq. What are am talking about? Shazam. Yeah. No, it's Steel. Not, and you're thinking of Kazam. That's the <laughs> I'm thinking you're, about Kazam. Yeah, you, look, I'm supposed to be the one who's drunk here, Terry. Okay, you don't know what you're talking about. Steel. Do you know what I'm talking about, Todd? It was that movie when. Uh, um, look it up sometime, I, I didn't I, see it. It, yeah it was on the heels of Kazam it was when he was trying to be a, a big star anyway this, this has gone way now, way too long now speaking of that, that I but, but, have
1: not seen Shazam and I've heard Shazam is a really good movie oh is Shazam a DC
2: movie then I would put that number one Shazam a really is a DC movie, movie.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not part of the universe. That that was what I would like the what well, they've tried to establish as their connected thing. Like, because obviously, the best DC movie is going to be the Dark Knight, right? Well, but
1: but, but since since Man of Steel, they've kind of started this o- this whole DC universe, and I think one of the things that they started to do, especially after Suicide Squad bombed, and after um, Justice League bombed, is they've stopped trying to do these team-up movies and try to be the mcu and they're just doing these one-off let's make a good movie in this universe and go from there and i think shazam is one of those uh aquaman is another one that's just kind of on its own aquaman's okay um uh wonder woman's just kind of existing in her own thing right now um and i think they've stopped trying to do a lot of team-up stuff because it all sucked
0: well, no. There's another Suicide Squad movie coming out next year with a uh, directed by James Gunn.
1: Yeah. So that one might so. be halfway decent, but I don't know. I'm not the biggest Guardians of the Galaxy fan either, so um, i not. I don't have my hopes too high. I don't know. I yeah. I'd say I'd say Wonder Woman or uh, or Man of Steel. We've but talked about this movie too much. We have, This was a
2: February movie. We got to move on. I'm let's dying move on. Let's I, gotta, move on. I, need, I need more wine.
1: More vino. Get get some more wine um so uh before we move on to uh to our power rankings which is what we're going to do next uh i just wanted to give a, a little report i i've i've no- mentioned on previous podcasts so far this year that i've kind of have my own film series going on of looking at oscar nominees i hadn't seen before uh that are celebrating uh anniversaries this year uh so um like, like last time i talked about oh what did i talk about last time dancer in the dark right and uh, and another year. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so last night I watched uh, the 2000 film Vatel, uh, starring uh, Gerard Depardieu and Uma Thurman and Tim Roth, and uh, and it was uh, directed by uh, what's his name? Roland Roland Joff. Is that how you Joffy. say it? Joffy? Uh, yeah. It was nominated in 2000 for uh, best production design. Well, I guess then it wasn't production design. It was art direction, set direction. Um, which it absolutely deserved the the art direction in this was was pretty incredible. Uh but it was it was a decent movie. Um I gave it I gave it a a borderline 3 star. Um it was it was somewhat fascinating. The ending was confusing. Um but uh it was it was definitely fun to look at. It was interesting to look at. Um anything with Uma Thurman definitely makes it better. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, she definitely—you could tell—like she had just finished making Batman and Robin after this, because a lot of the looks she gives in this are very. Like, I'm watching him like, I know this look from her before, and it was Poison Ivy from, uh, from Batman and Robin, which is not a great comparison to be able to pull from your period piece. Um, but uh, but no, it, it was it was decent. It was worth the watch, and uh, so yeah, borderline three star movie. That's what I'm giving it. Uh, my next one is uh, Hollow Man. That's the next one on my list.
0: Best visual effects.
1: Yeah, yeah, from two thousand. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just want to keep you guys in the loop. Keep you updated on uh, on what I'm watching. I know you're all riveted.
2: Zach, have you seen Vatel? Yeah. I had never heard of Vatel until you you just mentioned it. It looks like on IMDb, this looks like such a Miramax film. It, a Miramax it, it, it is a Miramax it, film, it, yeah what a shocker it looks exactly (laughs) like the the type of movie miramax came out with in this era Mm -hmm.
1: oh and and you can totally tell it it's
2: a it's a late 90s
1: early 2000s movie it just has that vibe maybe i maybe i assign it to you next time i win trivia
2: but um, please don't
1: it's 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 worth it's a decent watch it's not a horrible watch
2: i want to know behind the scenes roland Joffey, gerard Depardieu, Umar thurman tim roth the parties that that's that's an interesting movie right there.
1: See, I I just want to know how you, how in the world you can design a realistic movie where Uma Thurman falls for Gerard Depardieu. That that's that's
2: what I want to know. That because I mean, she fell for David Carradine. Yeah, that's a, also that very to
0: uh, what? Uh, Marcellus Wallace. That's it. That's always an odd. That's odd true.
1: She's kind of like the king of odd combos. And uh, well, and then and then of all the people, she what's his what's his name? in kill Bill, the guy she ends up in the the, in the wedding. Tommy.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She she has (laughs) a record
0: store. She
2: picks. Tommy's a good-looking guy. You know, he I like it. You know, he's got hair. Bill Bill likes his hair. He believes Uh, in moving
0: dangerously too.
2: Just like our, just like Concordia, he died too too young. I think we spent enough time on this. <laughs> Let's move on. I mean, that was a really random segment. It but, was. It was. Okay. Well, I'm, g-
1: I'm going to keep you guys updated on, on uh, my anniversary movies I watch as we, can I, uh, as can we go I, through. Can I
2: come up with an anniversary movie list? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, I'm, I'm ready.
1: I, I'm watch- I'm trying to watch one uh, one a week that's either uh, celebrating 10, 20, or 30 years this year. So okay. it's, it's okay. got to be either a 2010 film, tw- 2000 film, or a 1990 film okay okay all right Uh, this should be fun all right (laughs) anyways
0: power rankings you can't top that yeah that's the movie about the horse
2: i'm gonna pull an audible at the last minute here that's because i haven't seen it
1: power rankings all right uh throughout this year for our power rankings what we're gonna try to do is we're gonna try to uh celebrate the fact that uh a decade just ended and we're going to be celebrating that decade throughout uh, throughout the year with our power rankings, as uh, as you could probably all hear Zach pouring another glass. Uh, oh yeah, power that was very rankings, loud. That was the loudest pour I've ever heard. <laughs> Sorry. That's uh, how anyways, I feel about that. so uh, so Todd won our last power ranking, which was like two months ago. It's been forever, but uh, he got to pick our first uh, our first decade. Uh, end of decade power rankings for the 2010s so Todd tell us what we're doing
0: alright so I, I kind of went with a, a category that we did last decade where we wrote our top we had a bunch of top 10 articles that we put out and uh, which is the best directorial debuts of the decade so in the 2000s we highlighted directors such as like Ben Affleck and Todd Field Carrie Fukunaga, Patty Jenkins, Judd Apatow like Really great directors, best picture winning directors, directors of Bond movies and stuff. So, this should be um, an interesting list for us to go through because these likely will be some of the big directors that we are looking at 10 years from now. But I also put the stipulation since we just talked about a lot of these movies that you can't use the movies that we mentioned on the last podcast of the top 25 of the decade. So, we cannot use Get Out, Toy Story 3, Fruitvale Station, Margin Call, Nightcrawler, Animal Kingdom. Ingrid Goes West, or O.J. Made in America. So every, every other directorial debut other than those will be fair game for this list.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a stipulation, man. It, it, it is means... quite a stipulation.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, but you look, I mean, I think like four but, of these were only on my list, so I'm not, I'm not a...
2: That's like saying the best living actors who have never won an Oscar or never been nominated for an Oscar i think i don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> maybe that's not a good metaphor i don't know
0: Man, that was a terrible call i, I don't know i i don't know. i i thought it was pretty good because we just talked about these movies that's I, true I don't we did just talk movies. about a lot. that's
1: okay i see uh, at least at least you're you're making up the rules as the one doing it instead of us having to make them up for you like last time
0: or just disobeying the rule that i gave you or just
1: disobeying the rule
2: yeah there's that too uh, I still think XXL is a number. I That's... <laughs> I, I'm, but I guess I was proven wrong.
1: Uh, Alright, well, uh, Todd, why don't you uh, go first?
0: Okay, so I, I mean, my number five is sort of a little bit of a cop-out because it's an animated movie, but it's a different kind of animated movie. It's Kubo and the Two Strings, directed by Travis Knight. Uh, it's sort of like a video game-ish... Uh, premise on its surface, but uh, yeah, I think it—I I think it's awesome and one of the one of the really great movies of the decade. Uh, I yeah, I mean, animation is a is a different ball game, but uh, but it's stop motion. I think it's maybe the best stop motion movie that I, I've ever seen. It's uh, it's sort of like a samurai movie kind of, but its ambition is way greater than any other animated movie of the decade. La- Laika is a great film studio and this is absolutely their best movie since like travis knight has done like the bumblebee movie the which was like a spinoff of transformers and i can't wait to see what he does next he's actually supposed to be doing like the the six million dollar man with uh, mark Wahlberg as colonel steve austin so i mean i'll I'll be anticipating that but uh, i i hope that he does do another animated movie because i really did love this one
1: yeah uh i honestly don't think i've seen a leica movie yet really Uh, yeah i don't think i've seen any of them which is a shame because uh, Leica. Is, what's cool about Leica is they are like the hometown studio for me. They're based in Hillsboro, Oregon. Um, so uh, I I always root for them because they're the hometown crew. But I have yet to uh, I, I've yet to watch any of their movies. I need to I see. I feel Kubo. like you
0: think you're gonna think Coraline is the best one. I think
1: because they've done they've got Coraline, they've got Kubo, they've got Box Trolls, and Missing Link.
0: And Paranorman. Oh, and Paranorman, that's right. Paranorman's a great movie, too.
1: Okay. All right. I'm going to go next. And uh, for for my number five, um, this movie, when I first watched it, I don't even know what I gave it. It was not a very high rating. It maybe got three stars. But of all the directorial debuts I've, I saw from this last decade, it's the one that really has stuck with me more than any other just because of how original and absurd it is and i'm going with uh the directorial debut from boots riley uh 2018 sorry to bother you um this movie is is insane it 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 really is and it was it's one of those movies that when i saw it, i honestly don't know what i just watched but um Ever since I saw it, I've, I've just gotten this love for it. This, as it sat with me, I'm like this. This is like the best movie. Like if you ever want to mess with someone, tell them to go watch Sorry to Bother You, and just see what their reaction is going to be. Um, and it, if nothing else, it's interesting. It, it it and it has like the best what the hell moment of the decade, and. Uh, yeah and it's gonna be interesting to see what boots riley does moving forward you gotta think he's gonna be doing something something else crazy something else inventive um but yeah the more and more i think about it the more i love this movie and when i was thinking about directorial debuts for the i had to have this on the list just because of how insane it is so number five is sorry to bother you
0: that is a great, just like, slam-you-in-your-face debut that you can have to get your name out there, I guess. so. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I appreciate that pick. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: all right, Zach, number five. Okay, so uh, my number five that I originally went with, it turns out it was not his debut, so I'm going to leave him for the honorable mentions and just pretend <laughs> it was his debut. Um, nice research. I'm, yeah. Thanks, Wikipedia. Okay, my number five... <laughs> uh, my new number five is uh, the director of the movie Searching, which uh, did not quite make my top 10 last last year, but I thought it was really odd, auda- or two years ago. It was very audacious, and I liked it. That director's name is Anish Shaganti, and uh, Searching was his directorial debut, a movie that had a really interesting premise of a daughter that goes missing, but the whole movie is told as a screen capture on some guy's um, Apple computer. Uh, John Cho's computer and uh, yeah I thought that was a really cool movie really cool concept for a movie um I I would I mean you know the direction I mean is it that hard turning on a computer camera probably not but but coming up with a cool story that lasts an hour and a half on a computer monitor is probably a challenging thing to do so uh Anish uh, Shaganti uh, you know what I'm excited to see what you come up with next Um, I look on IMDb, and his next movie is called Run, that is being released May 8th of this year with Sarah Paulson. I'm excited.
1: That was like the most patronizing, positive review I've ever heard you give, Zach. Okay, well, my number five...
2: that That was called... That was called a audible at the line of scrimmage because I was just going to go with my number five, but I can't. It wasn't his debut, I, so, you know, screw it. But I do really like Searching. It's a good movie.
0: Yeah, it is a great movie, but I, what, what was going to be your number five? Was it an obvious, like, that he had a movie before it?
2: Uh, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll go into it. I was going to pick Tom Six for The Human Centipede because, <laughs> I, look, I mean... What what? There are not that many first-time directors that can say they named, they made a brand for themselves off the first movie they made. And now everyone knows what a Tom Six movie is at the end of this decade. Um, unfortunately, the Wikipedia was wrong. I think he did direct some movies in like the Netherlands or wherever he's from in the 2000s, so I can't, in all honesty, put him on the list. I really wanted to, though. And I, I low-key like The Human Centipede, at least the first one.
0: Well, I would hope so if it was going to be on your list.
2: Yeah, no, I, I hate The Human Centipede. I just... Wanted to throw it on there for cheap laughs. I would never do a thing like that.
0: <laughs> Alright.
1: And on that note <laughs> Todd, <laughs> number four.
0: My number four is a movie by Benedict Andrews, who mostly has done like plays and stuff. And you could tell from this movie it's called UNA which is the example of like a todd movie that actually really works and i think that everyone kind of likes it at least uh at least people have seen it it's uh it's got rooney mara and ben Mendelssohn and they've rarely been better like uh she plays uh this person who confronts ben Mendelssohn's character at his place of work like confronting him (laughs) about uh about their past love affair and uh it's it's got it's sort of like tape in a way where it at a uh, there's a whole lot more lurking underneath the surface than you would originally think, and I I, I think it's kind of fascinating. It's kind of hypnotic, and uh, Benedict Andrews actually had a movie come out last year which I didn't see. It wasn't really all that well received. It was called Seberg about uh, Jean Seberg, the French New Wave actress, which with, with Kristen Stewart. I but um, I still really want to see it though. I, I'm curious to, uh, about what it looks like for him to make a movie that isn't like so low budget and so minimal as uh, as una but una is a is a really great movie it's one of my favorite movies of that year
1: all right i, I
2: agree it was a, it was a really good movie i watched it on based on todd's recommendation i would agree that it was it was a really good movie
1: i haven't seen that one and i didn't realize he uh he directed uh that christian stewart movie either um which i heard good things about even though it didn't get great reviews i did hear did hear some positive stuff all right number four on my list is a a directorial debut that you look at and say, wait he never directed anything before? and that is the directorial debut of Aaron Sorkin with Molly's Game uh, starring Jessica Chastain uh, as uh, uh, playing Molly Bloom who is uh, who runs a high stakes poker game and is getting investigated by the FBI Um, fascinating movie it is definitely an Aaron Sorkin script and it's just the first time that he took one of his scripts and directed it himself, and I love I love Jessica Chastain in it, um, and it's a great movie despite the fact that Kevin Costner's in it, um, which I think we talked about on this on this podcast when we reviewed it, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a solid movie, and uh, Aaron Sorkin is coming out with another movie soon. I was just looking at this; he has another
0: trial of the chicago yeah the
1: trial of chicago seven which is supposed to come out this year so he's definitely one that is taking that directorial debut and running with it and directing more stuff and for someone who writes such amazing scripts uh it it's just a natural thing that he's going to uh be directing more films so uh molly's game uh also starring of course chris O'Dowd, puffin rock number four
0: (laughs) Puffin and Rock. Shout out to
2: Puff and
1: Rock.
0: <laughs> See, he never directed any of his TV shows either, did he? No. Like, this was the first is, thing
1: he directed, period.
0: Because a lot of those were like his thing completely. I mean, I always found that surprising.
1: Yeah, he, he never directed an episode of The West Wing or anything like that or Studio 60. Yeah.
2: Alright. Zach, number four. Alright, so I've, I kind of forgot to mention something about my list. I thought Todd's... Uh, disclaimer or rule or whatever was ridiculous. So I mean I kind I, I tried to I tried to go with the spirit of it. The the only rule I really made for myself was I didn't want to I didn't want to focus on filmmakers I had heard of before prior to them making the film. So like for example, Joseph Gordon Lovett. I mean I really like Don John. But I wasn't gonna put him on my list because I've heard of him before. So I wanted to spotlight people whose names I had never heard once in my life before. So that just you know throw that out there for whatever. For whatever. That's fair. Um, oh yeah, I thought, you know whatever. Um, because you know Todd said he wanted to spotlight new people so I get it alright my number 4 pick actually pertains very much to Todd Maybe on Todd's list too it's a movie that Todd went wild about about this time last year it's a movie that after he went wild about it I saw it like the day after and I gotta agree with him it's kind of a freaking great movie and the movie is Thunder Road and the director is Jim Cummings and uh, I applaud you Todd it, it was an awesome choice Jim Cummings made his directorial debut about a guy who you know the opening scene of the the film is him at his uh, mother's funeral and he has this really weird rambling eulogy that lasts uncomfortably long like 15 minutes and uh, that was the short upon which it was based. Uh, the feature film goes a little bit more into his character. He's a uh, police officer in Texas, and he has a lot of mental issues. He's very awkward. He's like a character on The Office or something. It's just, like, uncomfortable watching him. There's a sort of intensity to him that uh, sort of, you know, you know, lurking underneath is like some rage. He's a little maybe like an Adam Sandler character, too. Um, but Jim Cummings is awesome. I mean, he's a great actor, but honestly, to also direct himself like he does in this movie, makes me really excited to see what he comes up with next. I don't know if he has an, anything uh, upcoming, but uh, I'm excited to see what, what, what we get out of Jim Cummings in the 2020s.
0: Well, I would have had it on my list. I thought that it, he had had a movie before. I I, oh. I I thought I had come across something.
2: Uh, Yeah, uh, okay, well, I'm just going to say it was his debut. <laughs> and
0: this no, one, it yeah, says it's, it's
2: his debut on here. Maybe.
0: Oh, let me see. Hold on.
1: It's really funny that uh, so far the only movies um, that have been mentioned that I have seen are the ones that I have mentioned. <laughs>
2: I, I did Match. want. I okay. did
1: want to see Thunder Road.
2: Thunder Rose is really good. Okay, it says on here that there's some movie called No Flood Wall Here that's an hour and 12 minutes that he directed. I don't even know if that counts as a real movie and it has zero likes or zero uh, star ratings on uh, IMDb. So, come on. For all intents and purposes, we're calling this his debut. I'll
0: allow it. I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not you.
0: that it really matters, but yeah.
1: <laughs> we're, we're, we're who's landing that one? The rules don't matter? Points don't matter? Yep. Okay. All right. Todd, number three.
0: My number three I saw probably around ten years ago at the Seattle International Film Festival, and immediately I knew that it was a movie that I was going to like more than everyone else. It's Potty Considine's directorial debut of Tyrannosaur. Uh, It is a really disturbing and violent movie, but it's also... Really deep and heartfelt. Uh, Peter Milan is awesome in it. And it was also the first time I ever saw Olivia Coleman. And I always had my eye on her. And I'm really glad to see that she actually has become, you know, an Oscar winner and like a like sort of a, a notable person now because at the time I thought she was just some like random person that they got to play the female Lee in the movie. Uh, the Considine is a really good director. He learned a lot from Shane Meadows. They have a similar like tone to their movies. Uh, he's been in a lot of Meadows' movies and you can tell from from this one but i mean it's a tough movie but i i I always really liked it he had another movie come out like three years ago that never got released in the u.s It was a boxing movie called journeyman and i've been looking for it ever since but it's not on video or anything but i'm uh i'm i'm intrigued to see if he continues as the director or if he still just is like a a like a actor in Bourne movies and whatever else he's doing Uh,
1: another moment from the oscars that we forgot to mention was uh olivia coleman's introduction into uh announcing best actor like just hearing her off the cuff is like one of the most refreshing things of the last couple of award seasons
0: yes a year ago was my husband's favorite night of his life <laughs> <your> <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> well
1: and then and then when she uh, surprisingly won the golden globe for the for uh, the crown this year too was was pretty awesome yeah i have not seen tyrannosaur and i doubt zach has either i have not yeah i think you i
0: thought you did oh wait Zach.
2: no i have seen it you're right i just, just way um, back when way back when it, i don't think it made as much of an impact on me as it did you i remember when you saw
1: it at the at the film festival todd you were talking about it quite a bit
0: yeah well i think i did a write-up on because i saw a few movies that year i think i did a write-up on it or something but
1: yeah yeah i think you're right Okay, number three on my list, I'm going with the directorial debut of one Bo Burnham, and that is 8th Grade. Came out in 2018, starring Elsie Fisher, navigating her way through her 8th grade year. Um, I love this movie. Being an 8th grade teacher, I had such a deeper respect for what he did here and how, how really... Accurate. Some of the stuff he talked about um, was the fact that he was able to get inside an eighth-grade girl's head, which is like the hardest thing to do. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it it was great. Elsie Fisher gives an amazing performance, and uh, I I just I just love the movie. So um, yeah, eighth grade. It's my number three. Good choice.
0: That's a really good choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I figured that was a hard one to argue with. All right. Zach, number
2: three. Okay, now my number three choice is, um, I mean, I'm trying to go for directors that intrigue me, you know, for directors that I want to see more of in the 2020s. Not necessarily that their debut film was perfect, uh, but people who have an interesting look and perspective and aesthetic, that is certainly true of my number three pick, which is Kogonada for Columbus and Columbus is not a movie I loved. Um, I thought it had some uh, structural issues and it was maybe a little too slow paced for my liking but Coco Naga is a really interesting figure. He actually started as a fan editor and if you watch, I i guess I violate my own rule because I think I had heard of him before I saw Columbus. I, I guess I, was, I, I wasn't i was too familiar with him, but the way I, I knew of him was through some of his uh, features for Criterion movies. He does like cool super cuts and fan edits. Uh, and he's been, I think that's kind of how he was able to launch uh, some notoriety was, was Criterion, uh, putting a bunch of his fan edits on various releases. So Columbus is also the second John Cho movie on my power rankings list, interestingly enough. Um, and uh, it stars John Cho as a uh, the son of a famous architect who returns uh, back to Columbus, Indiana. He had a, an estranged relationship with his father. Maybe not too dissimilar to the relationship of the character in It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with his father, played by Chris Cooper. Uh, I, that's on my mind because I just saw it yesterday and can't believe Terry put it on his top ten list. But anyway, it has nothing to You're do welcome, with what I'm Zach. talking about. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> Columbus is, is a really interesting movie. It's slow, but it's visually really cool. It has some interesting ideas to it. I will I love I, apparently Kokonaga has a new fan edit for the Criterion release of Roma, which is exciting. He's a cool social media presence too. It's great to see Asian uh, representation in the director's chair and I am excited to see what this guy comes out with next.
0: He actually has a movie coming out this year that I mentioned on my Oscar predictions. Uh, it's got, like, Colin Farrell and Hugh Lou Richardson. It's called After Yang, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good choice. and Yeah, I'm excited to, to see where, where he goes from there.
1: I, I, I like how Zach just said it's an interesting movie because it's
2: slow. <laughs> well, it is kind of slow, but, you know, it's the like, slow movies aren't bad. You know, it's contemplative. It makes you think about life. Yeah, I certainly didn't. I, I I thought about ending my life watching "It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood," but you know, some some movies are, are good for for thinking. Of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my milestone movie this week. By the way. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Three months since its release.
1: <laughs> <sighs> so you didn't like a beautiful day in the neighborhood, huh?
2: I did not like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, no. That's too bad. That's too I just bad. wanted to sneak it in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Probably probably moved a little too fast for you. That, that must have been it.
2: <laughs> it did. It was hard to keep up with.
0: <laughs> All right, Todd, number two. My number two was, uh, it appeared on my top ten of 2018. It's called All About Nina, uh, which is directed by Eva Vives who are vivas i'm not really sure she's from spain it's probably vivas i guess but i've never actually heard it spoken before um uh, but nina is played by mary elizabeth winstead and she's a stand-up comedian who's like really provocative and like doesn't allow anybody into her life until she meets uh this guy who kind of lets her have her guard down which is played by common which is uh, about as unlikely the pair as you're gonna find but um I, I was left thinking about it for a long time after watching it. It kind of like hit me really hard and I didn't really know why. It 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 is really it is darkly funny but it is also really dramatic and really moving at the same time. Uh she she hasn't made a movie since but I I'm really intrigued to see what what uh, what kind of thing she does uh after this because a, a movie like this doesn't really seem like a debut. It seems like something you would have done like in the middle of your career but Cause it, I mean it wasn't a a big hit either. So, but uh, a lot of times movies like that, like uh, you know Damien Chazelle's first movie was like this odd musical thing, and then then he became uh, you know an Oscar winner after that, and no, nobody saw his debut, and but then he did Whiplash, and so Eva Vibes could be or Vivas or whatever could be the could be a similar thing.
1: All right, all right, another movie I haven't seen.
0: Are we going to have any overlap?
1: I don't know. I don't no. know. <laughs> I, I doubt this one will have, be on any of your guys' lists. So, number two on my list came out this weekend four years ago. Uh, and it is a directorial debut of Tim Miller. It's Deadpool. Nice. I had to do it. I had to do it. I love this movie. Ryan Reynolds, I mean, this is the role Ryan Reynolds was born to play. Uh, and. Uh, Talk about. I mean, if we ever do a list of like the highest war performances of the decade, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool would have to be at the top of like every list because nobody else could do this quite like he does. He, it, it's, it, he's not even acting. He's just being himself in the in this in this movie. Um, it's so creative. It's uh, in how it tells a story, how it breaks a fourth wall. Um, it's so self aware. Uh, it holds up. I've rewatched this several times and, and it doesn't get old. Um, I I love it. It it's probably it's one of probably a top three superhero movie of the decade for me. So and that and in a decade dominated by superhero movies and me loving most of them. Yeah, that's that's saying something. So Deadpool number two.
0: You love all of them except Birds of Prey.
1: Except Birds of Prey and thor the thor movies except for ragnarok anyways (laughs) zach number two
2: all right number two on my list is from a director who made her debut this decade uh she's made two feature-length movies i believe this decade and both of them finished on my top 10 list the year they came out her debut movie which was on my 2011 list was pariah and that director is d reese and uh Pariah is an awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, it's about a uh, black girl in Brooklyn who is uh, lesbian and is very closeted uh, because she lives in a very homophobic environment and it's about her first uh, relationship with someone um, and who doesn't necessarily replicate uh, their feelings. Um, at Aperio, Adebier is really good in this movie. Um, it's a really heartfelt debut that is one of the best coming-of-age movies this decade. Um, and her follow-up feature was Mudbound, which also made my top 10 list back in 2018. Now, she has a new movie coming out that is called The Last Thing He Wanted which is coming out later this month, but it apparently is not getting great reviews. It's with Ben Affleck, Anne Hathaway, and Rosie Perez. But I think Dee Reese is super talented, and uh, I think she's... I could see her winning an Oscar this decade. Maybe not for this upcoming film, but, you know.
0: Yeah, supposedly it's pretty bad. Like, pretty really bad.
2: Pretty, pretty bad. It has a 38 on Metacritic, which is not, not good. It's not good. But you know, hey, she's bad in two out of three. Okay, in baseball, that's pretty that's pretty good.
1: In baseball,
0: that's pretty good. All right, Todd, number one. Okay, my number one was was sort of an easy choice for me. It's uh, it's kind of a classic directorial debut where you where you do it to put your name out there, and uh, and then you can do what you want from there. Let and the people that's decide. The myth, of, the myth of the American sleepover. Uh, directed by David Robert Mitchell, uh, it's it's got almost no plot. It's just pretty much a high school hangout movie. And I think if it had any notable actor in it, it probably would have taken its place among like Days the Confused and American Graffiti as being like the the best in that sort of subgenre. But since then, David Robert Mitchell has made the best horror movie of the decade, uh, which was It Follows. And he also made this like really odd, ambitious mystery. Thing called uh, Under the Silver Lake which I wasn't really a fan of but it was totally a director that was doing exactly what he wants to do and making these like really huge plot driven movies uh, when his first one was basically had no plot but uh, this movie was awesome I think it was on my top 10 of that year and I it, it's a, uh, he's a director that I cannot wait to see what his career looks like because I, I honestly have no idea where he's going from here
1: Alright, it's official. I haven't seen a single movie on your list, Todd.
0: Well, make it a Milestone movie or something. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) It
2: Follows is is a great movie. Myth of American Sleepover is a good movie. It's a good debut, but I'm glad it led to It Follows, which is a top five horror movie this decade.
1: Alright. Number one on my list. I'm, I'm surprised this wasn't on your list, Todd, because like of all the movies this decade like this is one that was just like knock knock my socks off blow me away of just how original and how fascinating it was and that is the uh, 2015 directorial debut of Alex Garland called Ex Machina uh this this movie i mean this was this was something else when it came out it this idea of of uh creating these uh these robots that these humanoids that were going to act and sound and think just like humans. I mean it, it gave us another great Oscar Isaac performance. It was the what do you call it, Todd, the six degrees of Dom Gleason? Um because he's in yep. he was in everything that year. Um Elisa Vikander won an Oscar that year, but not for this, which is a crime. Um, I never saw The Danish Girl, but it couldn't have been as good as Ex Machina uh, for her. Uh, definitely put her on the map. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm i fascinated by this guy and, um, and his mind and how he thinks in the movies that he does. He had written a bunch of screenplays before, but uh, this was his first directed movie since then. He directed Annihilation, which... I didn't mind. It wasn't as good as Ex Machina. It was a little too far out there. Uh, he has a mini series coming out uh, next month called Devs. Uh, which is going to be... It looks like it's going to be exclusively on Hulu. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see, to see that too. Anyways, he's one of those guys... Definitely one of those directors that I came out of the decade thinking... I'm, I need to i'm fascinated by him and i need to see what he does so ex machina is my
0: number one that is a great choice and but i mean i really didn't like annihilation so maybe that was playing into me end up you know my list but yeah he's he's definitely one of the one of the sci-fi directors i am i'm most intrigued by
2: yeah all right zach number one yeah, I mean that is a great pick, Terry. The only reason why it didn't qualify for my list is I knew who Alex Garland was. I mean, he mm-hmm. was n- notable as a screenwriter, and you know he would sort of already made a name for himself somewhat. So I really wanted to point to people that I had no freaking clue who they were. But obviously, I love Ex Machina, and Ex Machina is in my top—I don't know—thirty of the decade. It's a—it's a. It's a 30 or 40, it's a great, great movie. Um, Okay, so my number one, though, is someone who we have mentioned on the podcast because we reviewed his second film earlier uh, this year, and that is Robert Eggers. And his debut film is The Witch, which uh, I think is a fantastic movie. Uh, we just talked about It Follows. The Witch would also be on my short list of one of the best horror movies of the decade and I think why I would maybe put him above some of the others uh, some of the other directors is because like the the style of this movie is really in your face. I mean Todd sort of talked about how you know if you're, you're making your debut, you want to make a name for yourself, you want to just blow people away and that's the way I felt about The Witch which it's not even a perfect movie but just in terms of its tone and atmosphere it's just so different from like what we saw with horror movies this decade it's really more of a throwback movie there's not a lot of jump scares in it and uh it's so based around dread and suspense and not really violence or bloodshed he made the lighthouse this year which i i was the only one on this podcast who liked the lighthouse i would agree that it wasn't quite uh the it didn't quite fulfill what i was hoping for his sophomore feature but he's a really exciting director to watch Um, let's see. I think I lost his page, but he does, I think he has something upcoming, um, with, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy that takes place. Yes, it's called, uh, oh wait, let me get it here. It's called The Northman. It's in pre-production and takes place in Iceland in the turn of the 10th century. Cannot wait. Well, the,
0: the Lighthouse, uh, his cinematographer did have an awesome speech at the uh, <laughs> Spirit Awards where he looked like the most nervous person. He had no idea what he was even saying. Todd was really rooting so was, for that was him better to win... than the movie.
1: Todd was really rooting for him to win cinematography at the Oscars just to see how much more awkward he would be on that stage than in the tent at the Spirit I'm Awards. I'm not
0: sure he actually showed up, but if he did, yes.
1: He, yeah, yeah. Like, he would have, like, legit passed out on stage because... Of anxiety <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so uh todd you got any honorable mentions you want to mention
0: yeah i did have uh, molly's game on my honorable mention i also had a uh, blue jay which is directed by alex layman uh faults directed by riley stearns who also had one of my favorite movies of the last year the art of self-defense and i had restrepo I'm not sure if documentaries actually count, but uh, it was the directorial debut of its co-directors.
1: And wasn't it, like, the only movie he made before he died? Am I thinking of the right guy? Uh,
0: yeah, I think one of them died. I think it was Sebastian Junker.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Uh, my honorable mentions, um, there were a few. Even though... Todd said we just had to avoid ones that were on our list. I I decided to just avoid those that were on any lists. So Fruitvale Station, Get Out, Nightcrawler would have been considerations. So they're on my honorable mentions. Uh, Another one that um, none of y'all liked, but I had it on my honorable mention, Lion. Best Picture nominee. That is one of the most forgotten Best Picture nominees of the decade. And uh, one that, just, just for fun, Greatest Showman was a directorial debut. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty awesome movie for, for, for all that it is. Who's the director of that, Terry? Um, I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> I saw it on a list. Hold on. I'll tell you in a second here. The director is Michael Gracie. So, unless the list It was, I was the other at...
0: director of Restrepo that died. It was Tim Hetherington. That's right. So yep. Don't want to false that... report something. That happened 10 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Michael Gracie, he was a. Uh, yeah. Directorial debut. He directed a couple videos before that. But yeah. Ah. That was it. He was an executive producer on Rocketman. That's interesting.
0: Okay. What about you, Zach? Zach.
2: All right. Um, well, like I said, Tom Six. This list was surprisingly hard to put together. I, I You know, these freaking student films that, you know, are hour and 15 minutes that no one saw, they ru- they ruin a lot of my choices. Um, I would also agree, you know, Ryan Coogler, of course, and uh, <clears throat> um, we also forgot about Bradley Cooper, um, JC Chander. Yeah. I mean... JC Chandler would be my number one, but according to Todd's stupid rule, we couldn't put him on the list. Um, Joshua Oppenheimer for The Act of Killing. I tried to avoid documentaries, though. Um, And then also Paul Dano for Wildlife and Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler. Okay, it is time for a
1: Power Rankings game where we try and guess uh, the list of Adam Daly, our other almost sideways contributor. But first, Todd, it's been a while. Give us our point total.
0: Uh, I am in the lead with 17, Terry has 11, and Zach has 10.
1: Alright, and the winner of this every time gets, uh, gets to pick our next, uh, our next Power Rankings topic. So, uh, kind of a lot riding on this every time. Todd, what is your, uh, projected atom list?
0: I have number five. Uh, bo burnham's eighth grade number four i have bob Parachetti and rodney rothman's spider-man into the spider-verse number three i have alex garland's ex machina number two tim miller's deadpool and number one bradley cooper's a star is born
1: all right my list number five i have kubo and the two strings number four hereditary number three john wick number two ladybird number one eighth grade
2: okay so todd did does adam know the guidelines not that he would yes. follow them I, I
0: i gave him the exact same stipulation that i gave you guys and okay. i mean obviously you interpreted it differently than <laughs> than i did so i don't know okay if there's a gray area in here somewhere
2: okay i'm gonna go josh cooley toy story 4 jonah hill mid-90s greta gerwig Lady Bird. Bo, uh, Bo Burnham for 8th grade, and Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game. Okay. Here we go. Adam's
1: list. So, he he starts off by saying he uh, immediately, Get Out and Fruitvale Station were disqualified because they were on his top 25 of the decade. Alright, honorable mentions. He's got Josh Trank for Chronicle. Nice. Uh, Robert Eggers for The Witch. Uh, Fetty Alvarez for Evil Dead. Uh, s craig zoller for bone tomahawk
0: nice uh todd's todd's big
1: and boots riley for sorry to bother you and he says what a crazy trip of a film the trailer reveals nothing <laughs>
0: okay i agree but Boots isn't a real name <laughs> it's a 22 jump street or something
1: okay here we go number five is jc chandor's margin call Honestly, this film should have been on my top 25 of the decade, a high-stakes film that doesn't play around.
0: So he didn't apply to the listen same list. list. Go well,
1: figure. he just avoided films that weren't on his list.
0: Uh, well, which is technically
1: what you said.
0: I said, said on the top 25 list of the decade.
1: Okay, well... He put margin call on because it wasn't on his list. Like I said, he said he couldn't use Get Out or Fruitvale Station, so you should have been a little bit okay. more clear. I had to I had to clarify that with you too. So,
0: <laughs> anyways, I gave him the same warning, so apparently he just went with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then I had to ask, and yeah. Anyways, whatever. Number four. Is uh, Bob Persichetti and Rodney Rothman for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. One of the most creative <laughs> films of the decade and the best <laughs> Spider-Man film. Noir Spider-Man is simply the best.
0: He's pretty good. <laughs> Nicolas Cage.
1: <clears throat> Number three, Chad Stahelski for John Wick. Keanu Reeves shows the world that you never mess with his dog. A film full of world building and gun Number two, Travis Knight for Kubo and the Two Strings. The best wow, that Laika Studios has to offer. A very unique journey that has been sadly underappreciated. Travis Knight has a unique vision and can even make Transformers Bumblebee cool again. Uh, actually, that makes me have two. I've got John oh, that, and Kubo. Oh,
0: oh, I thought you had that as five. Okay, so yeah, you're going to win unless he has a star as number one.
1: <laughs> and number one is Alex Garland's Ex Machina. A fantastic film that has one of the coolest casts. Garland delivered a very beautiful film that made the audience think. I want to spend more time in this world and with Ava. Alicia Vikander was a breakout star for this film. Also, love the special effects. Surprise Oscar win. Okay, so yeah, that was one of the two. biggest
0: upsets in like I can remember in the, at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. that one, visual effects.
1: So I had Kubo number five and John Wick number three.
0: I had Zach. You
1: had nothing, right? Nothing.
0: I had yeah. Spider Man into the Spider Verse number four, and I had X Machina number three.
2: I think Terry wins. I had so. We both
1: you, had one
2: you, out you on You correctly squad, right?
1: predicted his number four. I correctly predicted his number three. And, and then
0: you, and you were two off, or how far? And you then were I off.
1: had I had Kubo. I had number five. It was number two. So X Machina was off. number one, and you had it number.
0: And I was two off.
2: But. But Terry you had a give...
0: higher number that was correct, that's why Terry thinking. didn't
2: give unclear directions like you did.
1: I'm thinking I win because i I got the number three right on when you got the number four right on, which should which I think might be the tiebreaker since
2: we both ended up with two and Terry's number one was also Adam's number one
1: that 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 could be a tiebreaker too. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I'm the only one that predicted it <laughs> you're the only one that predicted it but okay
0: well Terry I
1: predicted his number two then. and number three yeah I win it's rare that I win but That's I'm I said last time you won well the, actually no you know what <laughs> I actually have been this I win quite often it's trivia that I rarely win which we'll talk about here in a second okay.
0: Well, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I, I I knew that he was gonna find that little loophole because there was like the main director who had directed other things before, but he had two other directors that were listed uh, that had never directed before. So I was like, uh, oh, he's gonna do this. I know he that, is.
1: That that's 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 some tricky stuff
0: to to pick up on there.
1: He also he also had a typo here. He said uh, Fruvale Station was directed by Ryan Cogler. So there's that. Well. Wow. Anyways. Let's get into uh, our next our next thing, which is our trivia game. Are you ready?
2: Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face.
0: This is going downhill quick.
2: Trivia.
1: Every episode we do some trivia, and whoever loses gets to assign the others some movies to watch. And so, it's been, uh, like, two months that they've had to watch these movies. I won the last time, and like I said, this is, like, a rarity that I win. I was looking, I think, the last time, because I keep have pages where I keep track of how things are go. Uh, last episode I hosted Trivia was episode 42, and this is episode 64. So, yeah, I don't get to host very often, because I don't win very often. <laughs> so, I assigned you two something to watch, Uh, Todd, we're going to start with you. What did you watch and what did you think?
0: Uh, So I was assigned to watch 7 Up, but I had the entire 7, or the the Up series on DVD from the library, so I had to watch them all. I I haven't watched, I've uh, I've gotten through 49 Up. Uh, So this is a series that follows the same group of people uh, that they check in on every 7 years to see what they're up to in life and what they think of. Um, previous installments in the movie uh, and whatnot and I I think it's it's kind of fascinating um, like the uh, earlier in the the series I thought it was it was uh, way more interesting when they were children because they have perspectives on things that I I would never even put it the way that they do but uh, I don't know if they're just precocious or if or if that's the way kids actually talk like they'll be like well one age is so slowly that I don't think you uh, I don't even think uh, you even notice, you know. So I suppose I feel the same way I did when I was seven, and and like it, it's that kind of uh, thing that like really made me uh, uh, really like it in the beginning. It gets really repetitive when you watch it or uh, really uh, close together, which I guess is why they're spread out by seven years. But uh, they they, they replay the same clips and stuff. If they t- cut that out, then you probably would cut out a, a good like you know you know six hours from the you know six movies I watched or whatever. But uh, some, of the, some of the personalities, I think, get a little stale when they get settled in their life. But uh, th- there are a few that I really look forward to seeing what they say each time. And uh, I-, I have one more before I get to the one that comes out in 2020. But they're all, like, solid three, three-and-a-half-star movies. And uh, it's a really cool series.
1: Yeah, it's just a fascinating, like, just social experiment. Zach, I know you are the biggest fan of this series.
2: Yeah, I love these movies. I've not seen 63 up. Don't read anything about sixty-three up because there were some things about that that were spoiled for me, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, oh. I, uh, I I don't want to say it. just don't read about it because so you there are some critics it. out there. Well, of course I did. I'm stupid. <laughs> just you know, um, I love these movies. To me, they're all four-star movies. I think it's the 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 sequence is amazing. These people are fascinating. My favorite people are Tony, the taxi driver, and Nick, the uh, uh, chemistry professor. So i, like, we'll I,
0: I think it's Susie. i think is uh, I, I find her really interesting of course tony tony's awesome like uh, tony's I wish the best he, he's, tony's he's amazing like, he's a what uh they, they just call him like a monkey or whatever he's like when right. he's a little child he just like jumps jumps around from
2: so tony w- would have to be played in a movie by roy winstone right i mean that's just a, oh, a obvious
0: <laughs>
2: is there anyone else who would be obviously played in a movie by someone
0: well it depends on what age you're talking about.
2: That's true. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> okay, that was a <laughs> dumb question. Well, Tony would be played by Roy Winstone.
0: Maybe like uh Killian Murphy would play the the I I forget his name, the the guy who ends up uh who wants to be a politician and he ends up being like a in like a activist or something. Oh
2: no. I can see that. I can see that. The guy who ends up being homeless, yeah.
0: No, yeah
1: wait is that the one you're no. talking no is that the guy on the, the, guy guy.
0: the left side of the couch for the first like four movies
2: oh <laughs> okay then you're talking about someone else I which, forget which, his
0: which, name. What, what's that guy's name I, I don't remember what his name is
2: the guy who becomes the
1: activist because his wife is from another country and so he's trying to do stuff yes
2: there. the I, i've always thought the guy was really pretentious i don't remember his name i thought you were talking about neil the guy who uh, has clearly some maybe mental issues and is homeless for a while and i think he would be played in a movie in a very method performance by eddie redmayne oh
1: yeah yeah he's the one that like spends an entire an entire movie like in the shetland islands right Yeah,
2: yeah yeah he's he's one of my favorites too i love neil i also love paul the australian guy who is very much an introvert oh yeah and mm-hmm. I love how like I love how sometimes they're really aggressive on camera, like they're really angry at Michael Apted, or like they actually I think they open up as the years kind of go along, and and you know, they kind of call him out on stuff. And I don't know, it's how fun much do you see. think
0: they got paid to be in these movies? Because they always kind of seem like annoyed by the fact that they have to do it. So I mean, there's got to be some some reason why they are. It's got to be financial.
1: I love how one of the like most. Uh most poignant moments of uh seven plus seven that they always go back to is Susie sitting in her yard when her dog attacks a rabbit because she actually is saying (laughs) something interesting at that moment but also and so they show it every single movie but and and they always also have to show the dog attacking the rabbit that's true after
2: you watch after you watch seven or eight of them you you do know the same moments over and over again like nick saying i don't want to have a girlfriend when he was seven years old, or or um, he's like he's like nope, nope,
1: or or, or Tony, I want to be a jockey. I just want to be a jockey.
2: Yep, <laughs> yep. Or Neil saying the purple people in the world when uh, they're asking him about uh, race. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I need to. I, the need thing to revisit I want 56. more than anything is to see my daddy, who's a mercenary in Africa, to, trying to teach them to be civilized. That's one of my favorite moments
0: was like, was, was they're like, "What'd you think of what you said in Seven Up?" And he's like, "He's like, well, they weren't very happy that I called it Trinity Hall and not Trinity College. My father was kind of upset about that too." <laughs> <laughs> and they keep showing it. Two of them say it too. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I need to revisit, um, like Fifty Six Up before I go see Sixty Three, just to re- refresh myself on some of it
2: my favorite one in the series is 49 i think that's the most interesting one because it's like they're all getting older they all are, have stopped giving a shit to some de- degree or another and uh that's kind of fascinating for whatever reason that's my favorite one
0: seven plus seven and 42 i think i've been my favorite so far but i mean i watched them so close together it's hard to differentiate between them sometimes
2: yeah that's fair all right well zach what uh what did you have to watch I was assigned for SAMA, which I was eagerly wanting to see after Terry talked about it on his top 10 of the year. Um, I had not really heard of this documentary prior to Terry putting it on his list, and I can totally 100% see why he put it on his list. It is a great documentary. It would now be on my list. It would probably be in the number five or number six region. Uh, Man, totally emotionally devastating documentary. Just uh, absolutely brutal to watch as it... Recounts this roughly, I would say, maybe three or four year period in the life of the director, Juan Al Khatib, as she gives birth to a child, uh, Sama. And uh, she lives in Aleppo with her husband, who is a doctor. And what's fascinating about the movie is when you think about people in Aleppo, or really a lot of war-torn areas, you know, you think they're eager to flee. And there are several uh, circumstances in this movie where these people could have left Aleppo. And there are people telling them to leave Aleppo or leave their baby with them. But they constantly choose to go back to the city because they have so much dedication to their cause. Uh, These people are, like, so heroic. And it's absolutely inspiring watching them. It's a devastating movie. Not an easy movie to watch at all but profound i still think american factory deserved to win best documentary but these are two of the best movies of the year and uh it is it is a devastating documentary great call terry four stars why thank you
1: i'm glad you liked it uh, and yeah i i knew this this was like screaming zach documentary when i watched it too was
2: well, very depressing so <laughs> you know you know what what tickles my bone uh yeah, the
0: cave. What? I th- the cave is a favorite of my the, the nominees that I saw, but I still haven't seen H- Honeyland. But yeah, the uh, Forsama was uh, at the time my number one documentary of the year when when we uh, talked about it last.
1: All right, well I'm glad you guys like those, and uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens next. Let's get into trivia. So we are. Uh, I have two lists here that we're going to go through, and we're just going to go back and forth, and you guys are going to get a point for everyone to get right. And uh, you can, uh, after you, uh, someone misses, someone can keep going if they want to, and see how many they can get. But here is our, uh, here is our first topic. Uh, both of these uh, are revolving around um, our recent best picture Oscar winner, and that is *Parasite*. *Parasite* was the 12th film. Uh, the 12th foreign language film to be nominated for best picture our first list is can you name the other 11 foreign language films that were nominated for best picture now this is foreign language being a majority of the movie is spoken in a language that is not English okay We are going to start this list with... Todd, you're going first. Roma. Roma is correct. Zach. Amor. Amor is correct.
0: Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon.
1: Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is correct. Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful is correct.
0: El Postino?
1: El Postino is correct. Z? Z is correct. Todd?
0: Yeah, I don't think I have any more.
1: Todd is done. Zach, there are one, two, three, four, five more. What do you got?
2: Fanny and Alexander.
1: Daniel Alexander is not on my list.
2: Ah, oh, really? Yeah, how, about so the immig-
1: uh, how about The Immigrants? The Immigrants is on the list, um, but that yeah, isn't that what you went one with of the first. Yeah,
2: that's a good
1: call. yeah, so The Immigrants from 1972 is on the list. Uh, the earliest one is Grand Illusion from 1938. Uh. Uh, then you also have Cries and Whispers from 1973. Um, letters from Iwo Jima in 2006. And I, this one is kind of... I mean, the majority of it is in another language. Uh, Babel in two thousand six.
2: No, it doesn't count.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait, I don't think letters counts either. Well,
1: letters the entire thing's in Japanese. Yeah.
0: Except for like it's, it's the one valid scene. More Babel. Well, I know, but that wasn't considered a foreign film. It I is. I, 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 I didn't say.
1: Just... I, I didn't say films that were eligible for the foreign language Oscar. I said films that were predominantly in a foreign language. So deal with it all right so it is tied three to three zach is leading off this time and here's what we're doing this time parasite became the 25th film to win best picture with a one word title your second list is name the other 24 films that have won best i think best we've picture. Done this list before I thought we might have, but we're doing it again. If we did, but uh, <laughs> there are 24 other films that have been that have won Best Picture that have had one-word titles. I think it was something similar, but wasn't quite this. So one-word title Best Picture winners. Uh, there are 24 of them, I believe, if I'm counting this right. Anyways, Zach, you are first. Go. Moonlight. Moonlight is correct. Crash. Crash is correct.
0: Spotlight. Spotlight is correct. Wings. Wings
1: is correct. Argo. Argo is correct. Titanic. Titanic is correct. Does Ben Hur count? Yes. Okay. Ben Hur's correct.
0: Uh, Platoon.
1: Platoon is correct. Braveheart. Braveheart is correct. Marty. Marty is correct. And also the last Palme d'Or winner to uh, win Best Picture. Uh, Patton. Patton is correct.
0: Uh, Cimarron.
1: Cimarron is correct.
2: Cimarron.
0: We're going to say Sim- from Terry. It's
1: a good movie. I we're, own we're gonna that movie. Cimar- we're going to say Cimarron before Casablanca? Casablanca is correct. And yeah, we did. That just happened. R- Rocky. Rocky is correct. Todd's favorite movie, Rebecca. Rebecca. Is correct.
0: Uh, Cavalcade.
1: Cavalcade is correct. Did Todd say Gigi? He did not, but you just did. Gigi. Perfect. Correct.
0: Uh, uh Hamlet. Hamlet
1: is correct. Oliver. Oliver is correct. Amadeus. Amadeus is correct. How many is that? Uh, we have four left. Oh, jeez. Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi is correct. Unforgiven. Unforgiven is correct. Two more.
2: Ah. Uh, uh, dang it. I think... I'm going to have to bow out.
1: Oh, he's bowing out. Todd, there are two. Gladiator. What? Gladiator. Oh, oh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you before anything else happens. We got Gladiator. Todd, there's one more on the list. To tie.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything else.
1: Oh. That's too bad.
2: Zach, do you have it? Uh, I definitely do not have it. Can you b- believe you
1: guys forgot Chicago? Darn. Wow. <laughs> that was the one you missed. You missed Chicago. I knew when you guys started skipping around a little bit, and I saw I Chicago and Gladiator were left up there on the list, and I... Uh, Oh, that's disappointing. I mean, you got all those other ones, but... You got Cavalcade. uh, Cimarron. And Cimarron, but you missed Chicago.
0: Well, Cimarron and Cavalcade go hand-in-hand, right? That's true. That's like like up and up in the air.
2: (laughs) Sure.
1: So with a score of 15 to 14, Zach wins trivia. He'll be assigning some movies for Todd and I to watch for our next next regular episode uh, coming up. But now let's wrap up this episode with
0: our quote of the day strawberries not the cheese Womack with a little sex in it quote of
1: the day
2: Zach, we're going to you first all right well I feel like this is particularly applicable to this podcast if this line comes from the wonderful but not unfortunately Oscar-winning screenplay to once upon a time in America no once upon a time in Hollywood and it is the line when you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and a little less than a wife getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell and that's the way i feel about this podcast and concordia university rip i think one of us is gonna have to use that
1: uh use that line cheers i think it's just now every every podcast someone has to say that i I think it's like i'm gonna like recut the the intro to quote of the day and it's just gonna be that line
0: well and our quote of the year has to be from alpha dog
1: well yeah well your quote of the year does, of course
0: well no that was zach's well zach's in mind so next year 2020 it has to be Terry. okay but we'll forget about it by then all
1: right uh todd quote of the day
0: all right, so I, I recently rewatched uh, the Nicolas Cage movie *Lord of War*, and there was a, a quote in there that I thought was applicable to the time of year, and that he says, uh, "They say that evil prevails when good men fail to make action, but they should just say evil prevails." And and that that is exactly the way I feel every time I watch Duke play basketball. So. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Are you still getting over that North Carolina
0: loss? Oh, that was brutal. I watched that sitting next to Terry. The uh. yeah, it, it, every to every damn time that those games come down to that bullshit, Austin Rivers or whatever, right? Uh.
1: All right. Well, uh, well, my quote for you is uh, is uh, quoting Adam Sandler's acceptance speech from the Independent Spirit Awards, yes. and uh, and this was this was what was said to him after uh, after he was. Uh, Two uh, gentlemen in the crowd were were pointed out to him several years ago, and uh, and what he said was, uh, what someone told him was, no, those aren't homeless rabbis, those are the safety brothers. (laughs) Scott Rudin, yep, Scott Rudin, the man he shares (laughs) everything with his house and home, and all that he is.
0: My tears.
1: Scott Rudin. oh that was that was like the best and then then have the safety brothers get up there and talk over each other the entire time like that was it was like a three-minute speech where they were both talking and the yeah it was the best though everything about that and then the laura dern song like how many of uh, you had to have been just singing the laura dern song in your head while she was winning her oscar i'm surprised she didn't mention it in her speech
0: but getting serenaded yeah. the night before yeah getting the serenaded that the be.
1: night before yeah <laughs> uh beautiful stuff okay well that's gonna bring uh this podcast to a close thank you guys so much for listening uh make sure you subscribe rate review on itunes you can also find us on spotify we'll be coming back at you in a couple weeks with another episode until then have fun watching movies